what really happens in a court case and why you can win. Every security the public issues to you is surely your security regardless of who issued them. Only you can provide the labor, equity, and credit. Do public corporations have credit or equity to post a bond without authorization from an estate? Here's what really happens. The prosecutor presents an indictment security to the court, U.S. Trust Judge Tim Terrible, which deposits it generally in the court's books and issues a case number which creates the case trust with the United States as the presumed beneficiary and the court as depository institution. That indictment is actually an assessment, an option dealing with specific performance in the future, a security future defined under the Trust Indenture Act of 1939. 15 U.S.C. 78C, a bet against future performance. The question is, who's going to underwrite, perform on, the bond? First, they need a trustee. So they go fishing but they don't cast a line or bait a hook. They issue a summons or a warrant, more futures, more bets against future performance. Who do they intend to hijack as trustee? Your straman naturally. Because like any vessel, it comes with a surety, a guarantor dot 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 your estate. That's what they're really targeting as surety for the case bond. Until you appear and declare your name, they can't issue the case bond and start making dividends, right? Wrong. They issued the bond when they issued the case number. So until you enter the court and grant them the presumption of jurisdiction, they are on the hook because they voluntarily committed securities fraud by issuing worthless securities without an underwriter, and they also engaged in conspiracy to obstruct U.S. tax laws because they're liable for the taxes, until you consent, and they have no intention of reporting the gain, the oid value of the bond. How do we know? They don't report any of the case bonds because they consider them to be original issues which are unknown taxable under the Securities Act of 1933. The public cannot claim your securities or else they would suffer a hellish capital gains tax liability. So they seek to control your securities by presuming that they're the beneficiary and you're the trustee. Once you sign that appearance bond, they have an underwriter, the estate trust through the Strawman Sestuik Trust, so they're off the hook for securities fraud, and they have a trustee the straw man, who's responsible for paying the taxes, so they're off the hook for tax fraud. This is why they'll do anything to get your signature on the appearance bond as a defendant trustee. If you do not consent, they have an enormous problem. The case bond becomes a reissue, a secondary offering of the original issue, your estate bond, the birth bond issued by Treasury and traded for currency with the Fed upon your birth. A secondary offering falls under the Securities Exchange Act of 1934 and is not tax-exempt, so the entire Fidelity Fund where they sold the case bond is in jeopardy. This is a catastrophe for the court. Do you think this knowledge could mean power? Knowledge is power when dealing with these people, as the father told us. People have trouble seeing that everything the public issues with our name on it is a security future based on the presumption that our estate will pay in the future. They think that unless we issue the paper, it's not ours. They don't fully appreciate the difference between ownership and security interest. This is understandable. We weren't born knowledgeable. The Warburgs intended that we remain in darkness. An owner holds legal title, meaning he's liable for taxes 
insurance, upkeep, etc. In other words, he's responsible for performance, for all the grunt work, which means he's the trustee by definition. But he doesn't see this because he doesn't really understand trust law, and after all, he's the owner. He's living the American dream. Think about that. We've been conned into dreaming about ownership, the obligation to perform. The Rockefellers must be laughing all the way to the bank. In contrast, the beneficiary has a security interest, meaning he gets paid or else. He enjoys the distribution of the trust property or he fires the trustee and all title and parties merge in him which is a foreclosure. That's how he takes the property. The courts exist to enforce security interests. That's what admiralty's about. That's why patriots lose in court. Read the special maritime rules regarding in-rem procedures. So if you continue to believe that they are not your securities because you didn't issue them, then you're destined for problems. Here's an analogy that may help. It's like when a husband takes control of his wife's money. He doles out $100 so she can buy him beer. When she returns, he asks her for the change. It's her money, but he's pulling the strings and making the rules, the trust directives, just like the Department of the Treasury. Then one day he comes home and finds the locks changed and the cops waiting for him. The wife is still buying the household goods, but now she's back in control of the trust funds because the beneficiary, the wife, decided she would fire the trustee. In other words, one way or the other the estate's paying the bills. But either the public controls the funds using coercion, presumption and trickery to get you to consent, or you agree to pay up front and take them out of the loop. This is why it's better to get dragged in and have the burden of proof on them, rather than to show up and volunteer, unless you're completely confident in your knowledge of the information. This explains why we do a security agreement. When you execute a proper security agreement, most of them are flawed unfortunately, a proxy withstanding in admiralty, unlike the living man, operating on your behalf agrees to pay the straw man's debts in return for a security interest in its property up to a limit, usually $100 billion. Once perfected and assigned to another proper proxy, you gain standing to pay the same bills the public would pay, but you will be paying them directly on your authorization, banker's acceptance, rather than being coerced by a third party. Either way, payment is extracted from your estate funds held in trust at the DTC. Prior to that, they presume to tap those funds on your behalf using pledges, and then they solicit your cooperation in fulfilling the pledges by volunteering your estate when you sign for the straw man. Once the security interest, lien, proper notice, status, and credentials are in place, your seat-offs will be honored unless you piss someone off. In any such seat-off, the first thing you do is transfer the asset back to the estate through your proxy and request that they credit the trustee's account, the straw man. If you're not doing that, you're not getting your seat-off other than those flukes that manage to slip through. And how can you do this is you don't recognize that all the securities belong to you as the underwriter. Check the DTC Operating Arrangements. DTC, through Bassid & Co is the registered owner of most securities. You're the beneficial owner. They have to follow the terms of the trust indenture. One way or the other, someone's paying for the indictment security future. 
that someone is always your estate. This is what many of the estate gurus don't really understand either. The estate as the public sees it is not David Clarence's private interpretation. It's not the holder of a security interest. The estate is the birth certificate trust. The estate is the surety for the straw man's debts. The estate is the debtor on your security agreement in most, not all, cases. When you take control of the estate, you also take control of all trusts derived from it such as the straw man ek trust. A ek trust is simply the beneficiary of an estate that's held in trust. Your straman is the beneficiary of the public trust that has been presumed to be a trustee instead. Sure there's a private estate. But it's useless to try to use it to live in this society other than as a hermit. You must engage commerce if you intend to provide your family with quality of life unless you are self-sufficient on a farm. So whether you issue the securities or they issue them for you, they are your securities because they're derived from and underwritten by the estate. Many people seek simple answers. Who's the proxy? Who do I name as the holder? Tell me the steps to do a seat off. Why do I have to know this? This is natural. We all want to know. But I hope this post makes IT clear why I keep saying. Understanding is 98% of the remedy. True knowledge is empowering. They hand you a bill, it's a seat off in waiting, an accounting transaction, not a slap in the face. They drag you into court, it's an opportunity to express your trust, appoint your trustee, claim your bonds if they don't perform, capture the case bond, and demonstrate why they should never ever mess with you again. Yes, the doctrine of understanding causes fits in some people. But if information in this post is new to you, don't you suddenly feel empowered? Studying is a pain in the neck only if the information is irrelevant or theoretical or you're running in circles as has happened to so many patriots. But tapping into truth is electrifying. When I realized what I did not know, I sacrificed everything to correct my shortcomings. I hope this post demonstrates that the need for understanding is itself a self-evident truth. Understanding securities, estates and trusts is practical not theoretical. When the court is returned back to the role of trustee, then all the statutes and codes which comprise the trust indenture for the public trust apply to IT instead of the straw man, including the tax implications. Their ability to ignore their own rules goes out the window and they revert to ministerial rather than discretionary duty. Imagine a judge trust that must follow the rules. When the Lord said my people perish for lack of knowledge, it's as if he had patriots in mind. I continue to stress gaining an understanding of securities and trusts.